welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 25th of September 2011, entitled The Day a Suicidal Sought the Saviour, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. Okay, we're going to uh, do part two this morning. And uh, we're in Acts chapter 16. And... The title is the same as last week's, The Day a Suicidal Sought the Saviour. And uh, we're going to take the reading up from verse 16. And um, if, you, if you can do it, if you'd like to stand, for, just for the honour of reading God's word this morning. If not, please be seated. Verse 16 of chapter 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer... A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. When the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized he and all his straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Please be seated. As we were uh, thinking last week, um, we did mention about the figures um, of the suicidal rate in the world today. And um, the suicidal rate is about one person every 40 seconds takes their life in this world today. And here we have the story of a man who would have done exactly the same had he had not seen some things that day. And last week, 
we saw that the first thing that this jailer would have seen was the saints. And we saw last week that from verses 22 to verse 25 that he would have seen at least three things about these saints. First of all, he would have seen them being punished. Secondly, he would have seen them praying. And thirdly, them praising. But today, second thing that this jailer would most likely have seen was that he would have seen a suicidal situation. Let's just take it down to verse 26. It says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. So we see here that this jailer now witnesses what was called, or what we would call, a life-changing situation. He sees an earthquake. Has anybody been in an earthquake? <laughs> I've been in a tremor. Well, we see the wall shaking a bit, but that would have been nothing what this, this, this jailer was seeing. You know, some people say that there, is no, that there are no uh, atheists in an earthquake. And I'm sure that if we were in a real earthquake, we would shout out to God. But not only were the foundations of the prison being shaken, all the doors of the prison were open. And here is an opportunity for these prisoners to be released. Can you imagine what some of these prisoners may be in there for? Maybe murder? Can you imagine that situation happening maybe here in Birmingham? And all the prison doors open. Wow. What kind of questions do you think may have gone through this jailer's mind. Well, he may have thought maybe some of these prisoners might come and kill me. But I've been there in charge of them. I've been watching them in the chains. I've, I've actually even put them in the stocks. Maybe he was thinking about the Roman authorities. What would happen if these prisoners under his authority got out? What's going to happen to the jailer? You know that this jailer did what many do today when the foundations shake. They think about suicide. They think about a way out. Isn't it incredible? We've been thinking about how God seems to bring things together. It happens when we're doing our Bible studies. You know, we're just going through the story of Joseph at the moment, being in prison, being in charge of the prisoners. Now, last night, about 11.30, Kelika received an email from a sister back in Chile. And she received the sad news that her doctor has just taken a life on Friday. Couldn't cope with the situation. Her husband was up there in, in Santiago. And she's actually she's a, um, a doctor. She should have been at work in the morning, but she never turned up. And one of the, um, the doctors from the hospital had the keys to the house and decided that, that she would go and see how she was. Opened the door, and there she was. She committed suicide. Just another statistic 
Sad, isn't it? She's about 50 years old. And the uh, last time Angelica went to see her, she, um, she went to have a, a check, um, a, like a medical check. And uh, she was a close uh, friend to uh, the family. And um, Angelica's sister was quite friendly. And um, I think her, her husband used to, uh, well, he, he, he goes to um, her, her church as well. Um, but it's real. It's happening all the time. And this jailer would have done exactly the same. And we read here in verse 27, it says, And seeing the prison doors open, it says he drew out his sword, and he would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. You know that there are many in that situation right now. There are many. The foundations are shaking in the life. There may be somebody here in this room this morning. I don't know. God knows. It may be a marriage breakup. It may be a job, trying to find work. Maybe you're trying to make the ends meet. It may be bullying at school. You know how many people today in this country will commit suicide? Fifteen every day. Fifteen lives are lost. Will suicide be the end of all the problems? Where can a person go when he gets to the end? Well, let's have a look at what the Scriptures teach. And if you just turn to the book of Psalms and turn to Psalm 9, and the first place that we need to go is to a refuge. Chapter 9 of the Psalms. <clears throat> and I want you just to turn and look at verse 9. And it says here, the psalmist says, the Lord also will be a refuge for who? For the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. And that's a promise that God gives to people that are oppressed, depressed, and in trouble. A refuge. That's the place that we need to go. We need to go to the Lord. He's there. Psalm 27 and verse 5. 27 and verse 5. And the psalmist says, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And that rock is the Lord. His name is Jesus. He is the rock. And he's the rock, friends, that we need to turn to. He's the rock that cannot shake. He's the rock that will not break in pieces. He's the rock that will stand when the storms of life come. And he's the refuge. He's the place that we need to stand upon. He is there. Psalm 46, and we're going to read three verses. Psalm 46. We'll read again here about, the, about our God as our refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, verse 3, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, 
though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Notice that it says in verse 1 that he is a very present help in trouble. And that's something else that we need to remember. Not some God who is so far away that we can't approach. The Bible says that he is a very present help in trouble. Yes, when the foundations are shaking, he is there. He's a prayer away and he's there. Psalm 34 and verse 6. Psalm 34 and verse 6. And we notice here a couple of things. First of all, verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord, what's the next words? Heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Wow, what a wonderful verse. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and what does he do? Delivereth them. So notice a couple of things here. First of all, in verse 6, that the Lord hears him. He hears us. The Lord doesn't need, a, doesn't need a hearing aid, doesn't need to get hold of a telephone. The Lord hears us. But not only does he hear, the Bible says that he saves as well. Thank God for that. He's not just a God that can hear, but he's interested in us. And he saves us as well. Wonderful. And the Bible says here that he can save us out of all our troubles. You might say, well, the Lord doesn't realize. The Lord doesn't know about my troubles. Yes, he does. He knows about it all. And he can save out of all of our troubles. That is our God this morning. I've got a friend who lives in the north of England, and um, he shared his testimony with me years back, and I've never forgotten what he told me. And uh, my friend, he was um, an alcoholic, just like uh, a gentleman that we've been hearing about this morning. And um, he was a chronic alcoholic, and it ran also in his family as well with his, with his brothers. And um, he told me that what he did was he, he remembered a verse that he'd been taught, and it was from John 6 and verse 37, where the Lord Jesus Christ says this, th these words. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And my friend wasn't a Christian, but he reminded him of this verse. And he said to the Lord, he says, if I come to you, you will not cast me away. And he called upon the name of the Lord and he saved him. And you know that he's never tasted a drink since. And that must be going back more than 20 years and he's never tasted a drink never had never even had a desire to go back to it but he reminded the lord of his promise and he saved him out of all of his troubles wonderful and isn't that exactly what the jailer does next not only do we see did he see a suicidal situation but second but thirdly he sees salvation and i want us to notice two things that he saw about salvation. Verse 28 says, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And you know, that's one thing that we need to be crying out, friends. 
for those that are lost. We need to be shouting out, do thyself no more harm. Today is the day of salvation. Come to the Lord before it's too late. Do thyself no harm. You know, that's what sin does. It harms us. It harms us right here and now, but it's going to harm us for the future as well, for eternity. Do thyself no harm. But I want you to just notice here two things that he sees about salvation. The first one is the sovereignty of God in salvation. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm. And then he says, for we are all here. You see, God had placed Paul and Silas in this prison and he placed this jailer for a purpose, that he's going to get saved. You see, Paul and Silas, when these prison doors were opened, they hadn't, they didn't flee away. They were there at this time, this exact time where this jailer needed to hear the gospel. We can see here that God was in control. There's a verse, isn't there? Romans 8 verse 28 that says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. These two, although they were afflicted and they were in this prison, a place that they just didn't want to be, just like we've been learning about Joseph, these two were in the place that God wanted them to be. God had a purpose for them to be in that prison on that day. I wonder, have you ever thought about the events that led up to your salvation? Have you ever thought about the day where maybe somebody told you about Jesus? You know, I often remember the day when I was working in, in that garage 20 years ago now. And somebody came in, my friend, he came in one day, he came in with his Bible, and he started to tell me about Things in the, in the last days, things I've never even heard of before in the Bible. And I just happened to be there on that day. I didn't have a car to work on, but he came in and he came right up to me in the garage and he invited me to come round to his house on a Friday night to watch a video about the end days. You know, if I hadn't have been there on that day, see, the Lord's in control, isn't he? God is in control. He is sovereign. Maybe it's the same with you on that day where you heard the gospel. Maybe where somebody gave you a, a leaflet, a tract, and you were just there in that right time in the right place. You know, we were thinking this morning about this man who lives very close to this church. Seemed to be having some kind of seizure on the road. But as Peter was saying that he was there just at the right time. He saw it. He was there to get onto his mobile, to ring the ambulance, straight away. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what may happen in a day or two, in a week or two? He may just remember. He may just want to come into this church. He may want to give thanks to one or two. He may even hear the gospel message. I just, we need to pray that that may happen. God is in control. And he was in control of Paul and Silas being in that prison at the right, right exact time on that day. God is in control. Wonderful. I wonder, do we ever pray that maybe God will lead us today 
to speak to somebody about the Lord? Do we ever pray that he will just put us into a situation and give us an opportunity to share his word with somebody? I wonder if you ever thought, um, maybe you're a, a, not a Christian here this morning, and maybe you're wondering, well, why, why am I here? Is, is there somebody who's in control? Well, there is. God is in control, and maybe today God is calling you to give your life to Jesus before it's too late. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You may have been in this church many times, but this may be the last opportunity that you'll ever get to cry out to Jesus to save you. A wonderful God. He's a merciful, gracious God. But this may be the last day of grace. Today is the day of salvation. Not only did he see the sovereignty of God in salvation, but secondly, he sees the stipulations of God in salvation. Notice in verse 29 to verse 31, it says, Then he called for a light and came trembling, and it says, And he fell down before Paul and Silas, verse 30, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And I want you to notice here two requirements that God has if you are ever going to get saved this morning. And the first one is humility. Okay? This jailer, he falls down before Paul and Silas. And this jailer knew that these two men, they had the message that he needed to get saved. Paul and Silas couldn't save him, but he knew that they had the message. And we see here that he falls down before Paul and Silas. And in a way, it's like saying he was, he was begging to get saved. You've got the message. What is it? Matthew 18 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know that pride is going to keep a multitude out of going to heaven one day. One of the things that is going to stop a knee from bowing before the Lord Jesus Christ in this life is pride. I'm a good person. God's going to look at all my life. He's going to look at all the good things that I've done. No, it's not. There's only one thing that the Lord's going to look at, and that's going to be the righteousness of Jesus Christ being imputed upon you through faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. That's the only thing that's going to save a person. Not our righteous acts, but the one righteous act that Jesus Christ did on that cross for us and our acceptance of it. And to accept it, We've got to humble ourselves. That doesn't come easy. But that's the place where we've got to get. We've got to get on our knees. We've got to humble ourselves before Jesus Christ and admit that we have sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unless you come to that place, there is no hope. You can't bypass it. 
That's what we, we, we stress to the children. There needs to be a repentance. But you know, it's easier for children because they don't have all these, all this pride. They simply come and they admit what we're teaching them, what the Bible teaches. But you know, it comes very, very more hard for older people as we get older to accept that we just don't fit the mark. We've got to come to that place of humility. And you know that this jailer, he asked that one question that needs to be asked, verse 30. He says, what must I do to be saved? There is only one thing that we can do to be saved. I wonder, have you humbled yourself before a thrice holy God yet and asked the Lord Jesus Christ that question? What must I do to be saved? Not only do we see the humility in salvation, but secondly, we see that he had to hear something. Verse 31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? There's another verse in Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If a person is going to get saved, he needs to hear the word of God. And he needs to hear that the Lord Jesus Christ died for his sins on the cross and he rose again the third day. He needs to hear the gospel message. Isn't that what happened next? Notice in verse 32, it says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Wonderful. Simple, isn't it? There's nothing difficult here. It says, they spake unto him the word of the Lord. No gimmicks, no entertainment. It's purely the word of God. That's what he needed to hear. And Paul and Silas spoke the word of God to him. Wonderful. And we see that he receives the word of God. We see that he got baptized. It says, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and he was baptized, he and all his, straight away. He accepts the message. He accepts the word of God. He accepts that he's a sinner and that Jesus died for him on that cross. I wonder, have you accepted that yet? If you haven't, today is the day. This jailer, he gets saved and he gets baptized and it happens all on the same day. Incredible, isn't it? But that's how it happens. I wonder, when will we as Christians, when are we going to realize that there is a harvest? You know, this is Harvest Sunday. We're thinking about what God provides for us physically here. But you know that he provides not just physical food, but he provides the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And friends, that's the most important thing 
The most important provision that we will ever have is salvation through Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded that there are lost people everywhere around us and they need to hear the message. They need it. If they don't hear it, they're not going to understand that they need to be saved through Jesus Christ. But let, let us just be reminded this morning that we have an important task to get this gospel out to the lost people. Otherwise, they're going to remain lost for eternity. He sees salvation, but fourthly, I want us to notice that he sees something else as well. And he sees service. And I want us to see that he sees two important things about service. The first thing is that it's immediate. It happens straight away. Verse 33, he says, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Do you know that the Apostle Paul, do you know that when Paul got saved, he didn't waste any time serving the Lord? In Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, Paul says, it says about Paul, and he says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? On the same day that he gets saved, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I wonder when was the last time that we asked the Lord that question. Lord, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do as a Christian? What is the plan that you have for my life? You know that while the pastor is away, this may be a good opportunity to ask ourselves that question. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do while the pastor is away? Is there a job, something that I can do? How can I serve you in this place it's immediate we don't get become christians and then we put our feet up and say right i was waiting now for that wonderful day when i'm going to get raptured no service starts straight away it's immediate and we see here don't we that it says in verse 33 and he was baptized he and all his and it happened straight away. When he had brought them into his house, it says that he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And the second thing I want you to see, not only is service immediate, but secondly, it's imitation. It's amazing to see that how soon that this jailer, he imitates the Lord in serving Verse 34 um, says that he brought them into his house and he set meat before them. What's he doing here? It's hospitality, isn't it? But he's imitating the Lord. Why? Because he's serving his brothers, his brethren. Luke 22 and verse 27 says... The Lord Jesus Christ says, But I am among you as he that serveth. Wow. Isn't that incredible? The creator God, the thrice holy God, would come down to this sinful earth, to us, and he would come here 
to serve us. <laughs> you know, we're thinking about that in the barber club, aren't we, Chris, this afternoon, about service. He led the way. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the servant. He is the suffering servant. Let me just read a, ver- a couple of verses from Matthew 20 and verse 25. Matthew 20 and verse 25 says this, but Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. This is the world system. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your, what's the next word? Minister. A minister is somebody that serves. Verse 27 And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus was our example. He didn't come here to be ministered. He didn't come here to set up his throne here upon the kingdom. Um, at this time he came here to minister and he did it by dying on the cross but he came here to serve we're going to read a story this afternoon in the barber club about him actually washing the feet of his disciples can you imagine that these people that are walking on these dusty roads and he washes their feet he came to minister Paul says in Galatians 5 verse 13 He says, but by love, serve one another. That is the Lord Jesus Christ's message to us this morning. Is out of love, we're to serve one another. Not to exalt ourselves. You know, this is the world's system, isn't it? The world puts self in the centre. But it's not like that with the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We put the Lord Jesus Christ first in our lives and we serve one another. I wonder this morning, if I can just ask this question, will we see the importance of serving one another just like this this jailer did? He put his brethren first. He served them and he did it straight away wonderful I don't know your situations here this morning there may be people even listening to this message this morning maybe out outside and maybe there are people that are maybe suicidal maybe they need somebody to talk to if there is can I recommend that you first of all talk to the Lord Jesus Christ he is the one he is very present may not be a person around you, but Jesus Christ is there and he's ready to save. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wonderful. He is there and he's ready to save us right now. We may not have all the answers, but we know one that does. And we can point you to him. We can point you to his word and the promises that he gives in this book, and they're there for you today.
help you. Wonderful. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you.